Would you please take your Bibles and uh, open them up to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We only have one, two, counting today, three studies left, and we'll be at the end of 2 Corinthians. Today we're in chapter 12, 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at the first 10 verses. I'd like to read them first so that you uh, can see them and hear what they sound like before we walk through them and uh, get the message that Paul is presenting. So uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10, and I think I'd like you to stand as God's word is read this morning. The Apostle Paul says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth that we will see today. Thank you for how you showed it to your servant Paul. And thank you that you led him to share it with us. Father, I especially pray for those who enter the doors here today who are going to relate To what we look at. Father, you want them to hear this today. It's your message to them. It's your message to all of us. Because if we aren't now, someday we will be in a situation that needs to hear this. So, Father, uh, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
This is kind of a familiar passage to us, at least parts of it. In the New Living Translation, it starts this way. This boasting will do no good, (laughs) but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, I know a man. Interesting that Paul begins this testimony in the third person. I know a man who had this experience. But he can't help it because we don't get too much farther and he goes back to the first person and we know that he's talking about himself. And as he goes through this passage, he actually, I believe, tells us about four things that he received from the Lord. Four things he received from the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to see what these four things are that the Apostle Paul received from the Lord. This is his testimony. But it certainly relates to many of us. So first of all, in the first six verses, Paul says that he received visions and revelations from the Lord. He says they were from the Lord, visions, revelations. He tells us that they took place 14 years earlier, 14 years prior to when he's writing. And that's interesting because we don't have any other record of Paul sharing this. And so it's been 14 years since the experience, and it's like this is the first time he tells anybody about it. And maybe that's why at the beginning of the chapter he says, I'm reluctant to talk about this. I don't know if it'll do any good, but we know that he's trying to respond to uh, false accusations and criticisms from uh, people, and he apparently feels at this time he needs to bring up something he hadn't ever spoken of for 14 years of ministry. That was an interesting choice by the Apostle Paul, to have such, as we're going to see, an amazing experience and go 14 years without revealing it to people. That means if he were living today in 2023, he would have gone 14 years without putting it on YouTube or Facebook. There wouldn't have been a book about his experiences. There wouldn't have been a movie about his experiences. It could have been a good one. But for some reason, Paul felt that wasn't important. But now, for the first time, he's going to make mention of this experience that God gave him of visions and revelation. He says that in this, he doesn't know how it happened. He, he doesn't know if it was in body or if it was in spirit or how in the world it happened. But he knows it happened. It's true. He says he was caught up into the third heaven. Later he calls it paradise. Didn't know how it happened, but he knew it happened. And when he was caught up into the third heaven, he had visions and revelations 
from God. Third heaven, well, they say the first heaven is what we can see in the sky as we look out. Second heaven, they say, is beyond that. It's in space that maybe the astronauts can see when they get up there. The third heaven, most people believe, is where God is. And Paul says, I don't know how it happened, but God took me to the third heaven in body, in spirit. I don't know. It happened, though. I got to go to paradise. And he says, I heard inexpressible things. What did he hear? (laughs) They're inexpressible. Okay. Uh, He heard something that was amazing. He got revelations from God. Some people believe it's the the messages that he eventually wrote, uh, teachings, doctrine. But he heard inexpressible things. That's all we're going to talk about because that's all Paul talks about concerning it. But I want you to see the last thing he says in the first six verses. I so admire Paul for doing this. Notice, he says in verse 6, Even if I should choose to boast about this experience I had 14 years ago, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. If I decided to go on and boast and tell you more about this, I could do it because it's true. I wouldn't be, you know, lying. But notice what he says. He says, I could do that, but I refrain. I'm not going to do it. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Do you get what he's saying there? Paul is saying, I had this amazing experience. God let me have this experience 14 years ago, and in that experience I was taken up to the third heaven, to paradise, and I heard inexpressible things, visions and revelations. But he says there's something more important than that experience 14 years ago. And that's my life and what I say today. You catch that? That's what he's saying. He says, I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say now. I think people who are writing their books and producing their movies should take note. Paul says, what you think of me, it's more important what you think of me now and the kind of person I am and how I'm living now and the words that come out of my mouth now. That's what's important to me. That's a priority. Who I am now and how I'm living and how people see me now is more important than this amazing experience 14 years ago. I admire him. I admire him for that attitude. And that's all he says about it. He goes on. The next thing he receives from the Lord is the thorn in the flesh. He received visions and revelation in paradise, third heaven. 
And then he received a thorn in his flesh from the Lord. He goes on to say he received that to keep him from being conceited. To keep him from exalting himself because of this amazing experience he had had. I mean, you you could understand that there could be a temptation, right? To really play up this experience that he had had. To go on tour, to tell everybody about it. Every city he went to, before he preached the gospel, share this great experience he had going to the third heaven, to paradise. But he says, to keep me from being conceited, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And he calls it a messenger from Satan to torment him. Now, that's an interesting verse, verse 7. And... It may have gotten your attention when I said it's the second thing that he received from God because the text says it was a messenger from Satan. But I want you to also see what the text says. It was a messenger from Satan, this thorn in the flesh, to torment him. Uh, The word is buffet. If you have an old King James, I think it says buffet. Uh, It's the Greek word for to be hit with a clenched fist. So it's like he's saying... This thorn in my flesh was a messenger from Satan to come keep beating on me, to keep buffeting me. But then he also says that this thorn in his flesh was meant to keep him from being conceited concerning this experience. Those two things don't say, do you think Satan would do something to keep you from conceit? Do you think Satan would do something that would keep you from exalting yourself? No, that's not Satan. So I think what we have here is a thorn in the flesh given to Paul for two purposes, depending on who you're talking about. The thorn in the flesh had a purpose from Satan's point of view. Keep beating on him. But from God's point of view, it was to keep him humble, keep him from conceit. Same experience, two purposes. Satan had a purpose. God had a purpose. Do you believe that's true in difficult situations you go through now? There are two purposes. Satan has a purpose for what's going on in your life. He wants to steer you that direction. God has a purpose for what's going on in your life. He wants to steer you that direction. And by the way, a lesson we learned from the man Job is that Satan doesn't do anything unless God gives permission. That's why it's the second thing he received from God in that sense. This thorn in the flesh. Now, there's a lot of opinions Because the question is there, what was that? What was that thorn in the flesh that he's talking about? That from Satan's point of view was to torment him and just beat him up 
And yet from God's point of view is to keep him humble, keep him from exalting himself. What was that thorn in his flesh? Well, we're not going to spend a lot of time, even though it's very thought-provoking and interesting. But here are some of the opinions. I'm just going to read through them very quickly. Uh, The thorn in the flesh was a demon. Uh, The thorn in the flesh was a person, Uh, maybe a false teacher. The thorn in the flesh was a sin struggle or a certain temptation. The thorn in the flesh was Paul's physical appearance uh, based on all the beatings and stonings he experienced, that he'd become disfigured. Um, Even some of the false teachers were saying he's nothing to look at. Uh, His appearance is, is rather homely. So some think maybe that was the thorn in the flesh from all his beatings. Some say it was some kind of disease, malaria, which was common in the places he traveled to. Some think he suffered with epilepsy. Some even said migraines. Um, And one opinion is he had some kind of eye uh, situation that just kept beating on him. It just kept coming up. It was an issue that he had to deal with. Um, Because it was a thorn in the flesh, and we know the Bible uses the word flesh for two different things, the physical body, the flesh, and the sin nature, the tendency towards sin. Uh, That second one doesn't seem to make sense here. So just being logical, if he says it's a thorn in the flesh, it probably has something to do with the physical. That seems to make sense. Um. And uh, well, I'll just tell you, I lean toward the eyes. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stake my life on that. But uh, we do know that in Acts chapter nine, if you want to reread his conversion experience when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, you'll be reminded that the light was so blinding that he lost his sight. It affected his eyes. He couldn't see for three days. And then, as you read on in that Acts chapter nine, um, he. he he gets his sight back, but when he gets his sight back, scales fall off, and, and it sounds like it was a real terrible thing. And then if you read Galatians chapter 4, you'll find that he's talking about the Galatians, and he, he thanks them for how they treated him when he was in their churches. And there he says, you would have even taken out your own eyes and given them to me if you could. Now, why would he say that? Unless there's something about his eyes where they loved him so much that they would have, if they could, given him their own eyes. And there's a couple of letters where at the end, Paul makes comment on what large letters he's writing in those letters. So it seems logical to me that the thorn in the flesh might have had something to do with his eyes and that it kept bothering him and uh, that maybe it was painful off and on. Maybe it was a hindrance off and on, but um, it may, might be that thorn in the flesh that he had uh, that tormented him. It was like it kept beating on him. It was chronic. It just was always there. But he says, God gave it to me so I wouldn't get conceited and proud Sort of exalting myself because of this great experience that I had. The thorn 
in the flesh. The third thing that he receives is an unrequested answer to his prayer about this thorn in the flesh. You notice he goes on and he says in verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Notice the Apostle Paul pleading, begging. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. The use of the word it probably eliminates people as the thorn in the flesh. Take it away. Three times he pleaded with God. We all know what pleading with God is like, right? We probably all know what it's like to plead with God over and over to take something away. So you can relate to Paul. He pleaded three times. Take it away. But he didn't. He got the answer to his prayer that he was not requesting. What was his request? Take it away. What was the answer? No. He wasn't taken away. And so God gave him, he received from God, an unrequested answer to his prayer. Can you relate to that? You ever prayed something over and over again and God answered, but it was not the request you gave? That was Paul's experience. And I I wonder, and I don't know, but I wonder if maybe Paul's original response to it not being taken away wasn't as super spiritual as we think it might have been. Maybe his initial response was, God, do you realize who I am? You ever said that to God? Prayer isn't answered the way you want. You say, God, do you realize who I am? I'm your child. I'm your child. I belong to you. I gave up all of this for you. Maybe he had those thoughts for a while. I'm your apostle. Maybe he even thought, God, I've watched you heal all kinds of other people. You've answered my prayer for other people as I've been traveling, and you've healed them, and now you're not healing me? (laughs) You're not taking this away from me? I don't know. He's a human being. Could have been the initial response. Or what about, uh, what about the false teachers? What would they do with this when they find out that Paul begged God three times to take away this, this thorn in the flesh? Let's say it is the eye thing, this physical thing. And it didn't happen. Well, I can see them saying, we told you, we told you. Paul is a false prophet. He's a deceiver. God's punishing him. That's why God doesn't heal him. He's punishing him. They could have used it for proof that they were right. 
about Paul? Or what about Paul's friends trying to comfort Paul when they find out he's been begging, but God doesn't heal him? Can't you just hear a friend trying to comfort him like, it's okay, Paul. Just remember, when you get to heaven, it'll be gone. And Paul says to them, hey, I have this thorn because I was in heaven. That's why I have it. But he didn't get the answer he was requesting. But that's not the end. It doesn't end here. It doesn't end here. He receives something else. Verses 9 and 10. He receives grace and power. He received these great visions and revelations. And to keep him from being conceited about them, he receives this thorn in the flesh. He prays that God would take it away and heal him. But he receives an unrequested answer. The answer is no. But then he receives grace. And he receives power from God. Look at how it's stated. Verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's all you need for you. My grace, my kindness, my love, my favor. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. That means revealed. My power is revealed in weakness. The word for weakness, simply no strength. God says, I'm not going to take away your thorn in the flesh. But I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you my grace. It will be sufficient. It will be enough. And I'm going to give you my power. Because when my people have no strength, that's when my power really gets revealed. So, Paul, I give you my grace. And I give you my power. All you need. And then we have Paul's response. This becomes his concluding response. Maybe he did react more humanly initially. But here's his ultimate response to God giving him grace and power instead of taking away the thorn in the flesh. He says, therefore, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, my lack of strength, 
so that Christ's power may rest on me, so that that power God said he would give me would rest on me and be revealed. That is why, and and you need to mark this, that is why for Christ's sake. Not because I'm going to enjoy this thorn in the flesh the rest of my life. But he says, for Christ's sake, for his glory, in order to serve him, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, have no strength. Then I am strong. Because the strength comes from you, God. The grace and the strength to carry on. Here are some observations, three of them, that I have from this testimony of the Apostle Paul. And I really want you to try to relate, especially if you're a person here who is experiencing something similar to a thorn in the flesh. I want us to be specific, okay? I think, it's, it's my opinion, that's all I'll say it is, that this was a physical thing having to do with his eyes. It was a thorn in the flesh that tormented him. It just kept beating on him. And maybe you're here and something like that's going on in your life. Something physical. Something about your body. And it keeps coming and going, or it's always there. It's chronic, or it, it's painful all the time, or at times. But it's always there. It's like it's just beating on you all the time. That's the specific application, I think, here. The thorn in the flesh, in your flesh, in your body. Here are three observations from Paul's testimony that I would encourage you to think about. In Paul's situation, the thorn remained. It was not taken away, right? It remained. That situation remained. But Paul's perspective changed, right? He went from seeing this thorn in the flesh as something that was getting in the way as something that needed to be taken away. That's how he viewed it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have begged three times for it to be taken away. So his perspective at one point then is that this is something that's in the way. It needs to go. God, take it away. But his perspective changed as we see at the end. The thorn remained. Paul's perspective about it changed. That's something we need to think about in our own situations. The second observation is that Paul's focus moved from the thorn and his weakness created by that thorn to God's grace and power. His focus shifted from the thorn... And what it was doing, the torment, 
his focus moved to God's grace and power. The focus shifted. Third, the thorn was no longer a barrier, but an opportunity. I'm sure Paul saw this physical condition, if it was his eyes, he saw it as a barrier, that, that he would see it as a hindrance, something that kept getting in the way, something that kept distracting him in his ministry. It was a barrier that he could do much better if it wasn't there. Why else would he ask three times for it to be taken away? He must have seen it as a barrier in some way. But as you look at his final words here, it's like he's now seeing it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to tell people about the grace of God and how it's sufficient, how it's enough, how it's always there. His grace is always there for you. His love, his kindness, his provision, it's always there. And he now has the opportunity to tell people that and to share that with them by experience about the grace of God, but also tell them about the power of God and how God can take his people and in their weakest times, in their weakness, he can give them strength. He can give them the power to carry on. The thorn is still there that remained. But Paul's perspective changed. The thorn remained, but it was no longer Paul's focus. God's grace and power were now the focus. The thorn remained. The condition remained. But it was no longer seen by Paul as a barrier to be taken away. It was an opportunity to give glory to the God of grace and the God who strengthens. I think there are tons of application here for us. And... uh, I don't think I have to stand here and explain it to you. If you are in a situation like Paul and you have prayed and prayed that something be taken away, that God heal you. Now, we know he can and he has. But what if he doesn't? There's something here for us to to learn about the grace and power of our God and about the perspective and the attitude and the willingness to carry on even if he doesn't take the thorn away. Why? What did he say? For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. So, I'm going to ask you to stand. Uh, Would you all stand? And uh, I'm going to give you three statements. 
three declarations that I think are based on truth from this passage and Paul's testimony. The first statement is this. Picture yourself in whatever's going on in your life saying this. God's grace is sufficient for me. For me, God's grace is sufficient. Picture yourself saying this second statement. When I am weak, then I am strong. And picture yourself making this statement. I will carry on for Christ's sake. Because his grace is sufficient, and because when I'm weak, he makes me strong, I will carry on for Christ's sake. So that you don't have to feel embarrassed. Those of you who really need to get to the place where you make these declarations often, we're all going to say them. We're all going to declare them together. But if they especially apply to you right now, I guess we're helping you say it and declare it. So I will make the statement, and then you as a group declare that statement together. Here we go. God's grace is sufficient for me. When I am weak, then I am strong. I will carry on for Christ's sake. Now we're going to do it one more time, and you're going to sound like you mean it instead of you're ready for a noon map. Okay. That was pretty bad. Do you realize the truth that you're declaring here? Do you realize this truth that you're declaring? And that I hope many of us will continue to declare every day. Here we go. Let's try it again. God's grace is sufficient for me. When I am weak, then I am strong. I will carry on for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. Your closing song is also your special music. This is called Your Grace Finds Me. Your grace, grace. 
somewhere, memorize them, whatever, and declare them as often as you need to, to keep your mind in the right place if that thorn isn't being removed. And do that for Christ's sake. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. 
Thank you for your power. Thank you that both are available to us. And both are enough. Both are sufficient no matter what our situation. Thank you that your grace will always be there to provide what we need. Your kindness, your love, your favor, your grace. And thank you that in our weakest times, when we have no strength, your power on our behalf will go to work and reveal itself. Thank you. Father, we ask that we would be the kind of people who would go from this place today and for Christ's sake live out these truths that the Apostle Paul learned to live out. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.